Foley had the best line of uh, his reasoning. Well, one, he does have a, a family vacation he, he had already scheduled beforehand. Okay. Uh, but then he even said, like, I considered rescheduling that and working around to be a part of something. He said, but then it kind of set, set in that what sense does it make for me to come back and celebrate Raw, especially with Triple H and Stephanie there when they just fired me not that long ago? Right? Somebody is using some fucking logic. Heaven forbid. <laughs> well, and that's the worst thing about the Kurt Angle character right now is the Kurt Angle character is still the Mick Foley character. It's like they just have, you know, like Raw GM is the character that they write for and they just, yeah, and it's just interchange bodies. Yeah, just substitute name. I wonder if like when they even write out like six months of planning, if they even put Kurt Angle. Yeah, no, I, th- I think they just put Raw GM. Yeah. Freaking stupid. I'm so over the general manager thing, man. It's t- it's it's just so old, and they, and they can't come up with anything other than going in that direction. is today rick what today you better not say reset day no no this is better than reset day i'll go to your facebook farm and kick one of your pigs nuts today is tyler breeze's birthday you remember what she told me about tyler breeze's birthday i got to do a whole tyler breeze tribute show yeah you remember that Uh uh-huh dude do you have that recorded anywhere i don't remember Uh uh-huh you bet you joined by the dango to my breezy. <laughs> 30 years old today. Uh, what man. a waste. What a loser. What a fucking waste. I mean, if they would have actually done something with Tyler like three years ago when they, <laughs> when he was hot. Uh, yeah, he's pretty much done now. Yeah. yeah. Ain't no going back. Yeah. I, I, they, uh, they I was. Dis- they, they discoed Inferno that motherfucker. I was told once upon a time that uh, bands don't get signed after their average age hits 30. And it was like, once I hit 30, it was just like such a fucking kick in the balls, you know? It's just the reality of the situation. You're, you're, you're no longer useful to the entertainment industry once you hit 30 years old. Unless, unless you're already in. Then you're cool. Unless you just start like your own label and put fuckers to work for you. Well, that's a lot more feasible now than it was eight years ago. The record industry hadn't completely collapsed yet. It was on its way, but it hadn't completely collapsed yet. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about before we uh, before we roll here? Uh, no, sir.
What's up, everyone? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3.5 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast for Saturday, January 20th, 2018. This is a very special Muse and Notes edition, taking a look behind the business that is this crazy business known as professional wrestling. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. In the newsroom, they call me Master, but you can call me Jargo. I'm joined alongside the Dango to my breeze, Rick, RBV, Huckleberry Number 1. Welcome to the Tyler Breeze Tribute episode. Boy, what? Tyler Breeze Tribute episode? What have we got going on? You told me once upon a time that when we did a show on Tyler Breeze's birthday, I could do a, a Tyler Breeze Tribute episode. So this is the Tyler Breeze Tribute episode. Do we have this documented anywhere? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's on an old episode somewhere. I'm pretty sure I've got that somewhere. Shit, I, I didn't even think we'd make it this far, brother. Yeah, I, I, I think when you made that comment, it, we didn't think that, you know, four and a half months from now that we would still be doing this. Well, unfortunately... We'll combine it together, then it's a, it's a tribute to your boy Breeze, and we're celebrating four and a half months, man. It's, it's a great milestone, and we're gearing up for a huge rumble week. Oh my gosh, this week is going to be crazy. We'll get a little bit more into uh, our week towards the uh, end of the episode. Right now, hashtag bad week to be a Samoan rolls on. What do you think, man? Where do you, do you want to do you want to lead with this uh, conspiracy theory that I have uh, stumbled upon? Yeah, I think you know we've had more more about this kind of develop over you know maybe the course of like the last what you know twenty four forty eight hours when we really had very little to go on. We had this down in our run just under just some random some random news because Roman Reigns has come out. And he has he has publicly addressed this. While you were doing your your prep for the show, you did a little uh, late night sleuthing, and you stumbled off upon something that that uh, quite possibly could blow the doors off of this entire investigation. Uh, let let me preface this by saying, um, number one, the views and opinions expressed on this episode are the views and opinions exclusively of myself and my uh, cohort here. They in no way, shape, or form reflect the views of podbean.com, Hameen Media, thegorillaposition.com, or anything else. This is just me doing a little bit of investigative reporting. All right? So, inside of the media, we have these things that we, uh, that we pick up on that are just like flag words, right? And when Roman Reigns issued this statement, I read the statement... And I, I picked up on a flag word and it says, I have never heard of Richard Rodriguez or wellness, fitness, nutrition. I've learned from the mistake that I made nearly two years ago and paid the penalty for it. Since then, I've passed 11 tests as part of the WWE's independent drug testing program. The flag word there is never because that is a very definitive statement. Then he goes on to say that he has passed 11 drug tests. That comes off as a very defensive statement. So I started looking into this a little bit more. I pulled up the uh, documents when they searched wellness and fitness nutrition and come to find out that one of the other locations that was raided is a gym 
that is co-owned by Mr. Richard Rodriguez, which is the individual that brought up the name Roman Reigns that Roman Reigns has never heard of. What I also come to find out is the other co-owner of this gym is a gentleman by the name of C.T. Fletcher. As I got to Googling C.T. Fletcher, C.T. Fletcher is balls deep in the WWE roster. It's not that far of a jump here. Well, I tell you, you know, just from some very simple Google searches, I mean, you're going to find a plethora of, of photographs and even videos out there where this one Mr. Fletcher, you know, he is right there front and center with a handful of WWE superstars. Yeah, it's and, kind of a who's who of the roster, really. I mean, you're you know, talking I, I, Big E, Braun Strowman, Jinder Mahal, Big Show. I'm going through right here uh, just some quick ones. You know, you've got, like you said, you you go right off the bat. Uh, you said Braun Strowman, who no one really accused anything. He doesn't really, you know, he just seems like a mass of a man there. But, hey, then you got Ginger Mahal. Well, All hey, the let's, let's that's been around everything that's surrounded him. And he's actually, uh, isn't he? He's been pretty involved with this Fletcher fellow, correct? Well, yes. And the other thing is, too, let's keep in mind with Braun Strowman, you go back and look at video and pictures of Braun Strowman from a year to 18 months ago and compare them to the Braun Strowman now, he has definitely lost a ton of weight and put on a ton of muscle. Then you go, like, obviously, here we said Ginger Mahal, who this picture here, I, this, is a, this is probably, this is... I mean, this is crazy how the the transformation, the in, yeah, the transformation, Ginger Mahal, from the picture that they're shown here with Big E himself, Braun Strowman, and and Fletcher, his transformation. I mean, it just blows you away here. He is he is noted as being very involved uh, with this gym here. Uh, Big E, who also, I mean, has always been a well put together individual. Uh, probably the biggest that he has ever been in his WWE run. A big show. That amazing transformation that we've seen over him, you know, in his later run. And he actually gave quite a bit of credit to all the work that he was doing with Fletcher. And then as you scroll down through the images a little bit further, you come across a picture of one Mr. Dwayne The Rock Johnson with Mr. C.T. Fletcher. And we've all seen, and Ben has talked about it, Ray has talked about it on the various locker room episodes at this point. Rock puts on weight and takes weight off, left and right, like it is nothing. We, we've all speculated that there's something more to what is going on here, and I'm pretty sure we just found the connection, and his name is C.T. Fletcher. And a little bit about... Mr. Fletcher's background when we kind of looked into this and if and by, by no means am I pretending I actually did reach out for a little assistance here really didn't want to put anybody on record and I am not presenting myself in any way to have any background in profiling uh, but it's detected it, it is used by our law enforcement out there and I reached out to some friends of mine I didn't want to bring anybody on with it uh, but as you look back through this guy's history now, he was born in the Deep South at a very early age, almost like one year, one years old. His family up to move to a very, very bad part of Los Angeles. Uh, he grew up in areas that were overrun by gangs uh, and drugs. His father was a preacher, but he came from a very 
strict household. And by strict, I mean physically abusive. I mean, he had to deal with quite a bit growing up and it, it, it almost fits into one of those, you know, survive by any means necessary kind of deals. Uh, when he turned 18, he joined the military. That's where Fletcher got into, you know, more worried about his fitness into bodybuilding, into different types of martial arts. I know he's some type of black belt. Out of the military, he, he continued in with his fitness in that. Uh, but he actually took a job with the U.S. Postal Service uh, over all those years. You know, that he had seven kids as well. Those are good government-paying jobs, but you have a family of that size. You know, your, your stretch kind of fit thin financially. He ran into some major health issues in the early 2000s. Uh, they thought he was going to die, actually. He had a terrible with his Something training with his routine. heart, right? Yeah, training routine and his eating habits. I mean, they were just completely out of whack. Uh, at, at one point, he had like three heart attacks, something along that lines, or his, his heart stopped three times. He had some serious health health, uh, health issues going there. And as you're looking at this, putting some things together, you know, these are going to be setbacks for him in life. So he kind of hits it big in, in 2012 through social media. He, he's really directed himself to his health and his fitness. He starts competing in the bodybuilding. So he might start meeting other individuals and coming from all that in his background, it's not too far-fetched to believe that he would be easily convinced to join in with something like here or manipulated into maybe being like a mule for a bigger program. Now, to be clear, what the, the affiliation here is Richard Rodriguez is a minority owner of the gym that C.T. Fletcher owns. This gym was raided by the DEA in coordination with the WFN case. Roman Reigns says, I've never heard of Richard Rodriguez. I believe that, but I bet you damn sure he knows who C.T. Fletcher is. And, you know, another thing, what kind of got me is, you know, why, why do you think that, that Roman's name was the one that was tossed out there? I'm guessing just because he's at the top of the card. Well, you have all these other individuals that, you know, he, that, that Fletcher has that is well known to be associated with. Yeah. Cause I mean, documentation, this goes, and and it's not just this generation of superstars either. I mean, Austin is a good friend of this guy's Goldberg is a good friend of this guy's. This guy was like you said, he was in the bodybuilding world back in the 1980s. Who do we know that has a fascination with bodybuilders? Um, but you know what? This back back then though, it didn't seem like he did not arrive to like notional national notoriety until until post his surgery when he really turned his life around. You know, well, changed his diet around and really started concentrating on you know making fitness his livelihood. This is just one of those things where you kind of start connecting some dots. And things start making a whole lot of sense. And this is through a simple Google search. I, you, you, you can find all the documents for the search warrants and everything. I'm kind of speculating, too, with, with Roman being out there. You know, this entire thing got rolling a couple years ago with them, you know, start falling under the eye of the, of the government agencies that were looking out towards this thing. Right. So in, so in that time frame, you know, they might have been under pressure like, hey, we know you got some contacts there. We need somebody. We need somebody. So you throw Roman out there because it's already public knowledge that he has been in trouble with something linked to this. Yep. 
it's something they can just, oh, yeah, maybe he got something from them back then. That's, that's water under the bridge. You can hope that that kind of goes away. But, you know, just kind of looking at this link here and how tight this guy is with a number of WWE superstars who, you know, visibly fans have questioned their transformation. I mean, this could potentially open uh, quite a floodgate that could be very problematic for the company. Absolutely something to keep an eye on. Absolutely something to keep an eye on. Because if I can link it through a few simple Google searches, you can bet the DEA is all over this. Uh, So let's move on to some other news here. Um, we, We wanted to take another look at the WWE and Facebook Watch Um, and WWE's ongoing strategy when it comes to their digital media. Rick, what did you want to go with here? Well, you know, I I think coming out on Thursday's show, maybe I jumped the gun a little too too much on them. Maybe I was a little too rough. And actually, when I went back and really started investigating what this entire Facebook watch is all about, where they want to go with this directive, now, what it really could mean for WWE, once I really went back and started diving into it, you know, I changed my tone a little bit. You know, I'm still going to stand by, I think, the live views at 142,000. That was still a little disappointing for all the effort they put in for trying to, to get to retain viewers from SmackDown Live or, or just pull in anyone that's associated with the WWE universe to, to want them to, you know, to be a part of this as it was ongoing to be there as the match was happening so that they can interact with the WWE universe. I felt that that fell a little short, but really looking at the, at the grand scheme of things here, I think they had to be pretty happy with this, you know, with the results as they come out of the gate week one with this thing. And at first, you know, I really want to talk about really what the goals are with, with this Facebook watch, you know, overall, you know, what's the entire objective here? I keep seeing comparisons where people are saying, oh, they want this to be like Netflix or Hulu. And yes, that that is down the road planning. They do want to get there. But their first objective really is to take out uh, YouTube. So this really comes down to Zuckerberg versus Google. A a little bit here. Inside, Inside of the business strategy, they want people to start going to Facebook watch as opposed to YouTube. So you can do everything inside of one app. That's correct. They, they want to move everything under the Facebook umbrella is what they're trying to move, move there. You know, some, just some early numbers here, you know, uh, you know, it's expected. This is coming from uh, Morgan Stanley that in 2018, it's expected with just how early they are in the game here, that they're going to make uh, 565 million in revenue just off that watch tab. Wow. And they only have in, they only have invested in this thing right now. Right now is 400 mil. Wow. That's some big some, money, man. Uh, pull up some other things here before we actually get down to the WWE side of this. When you, when you break down this math, um, let's see here. You know, you do have the other big contenders here. You know, if you go by some some Nielsen data, uh, users watch 40 minutes per day on YouTube. 
That's a global average. Okay. 125 minutes a day on Netflix. Okay. Right now, they are estimating, just in its early stages, on Facebook Watch, they're only at about 20 minutes per day. So they have some expansion and catching up to do here, but they are really, really not that far behind. That that actually seems high to me for Facebook, but I guess the thing is, you're watching so much in small doses. Whereas with Netflix, that's like 125 minutes. That's basically the length of a movie. Correct, and it, we'll we'll jump down to this. And just those numbers, you know, we've got the, we've got the 20 for Facebook, the 40 for YouTube, the 125 for Netflix. And if you compare that to traditional television, like the U.S. average is 260 minutes a day. Wow. Or, or what people are, are watching there. Uh, what, what makes YouTube so successful and what has been successful so far for your Facebook watch is the shorter videos. Right. That we have going on. I've got the list here. Some some of the top the top ones. And these are. These are figures after five days of their initial release from their initial release. Uh, there's an A and E uh, uh, B or bail. It's a funeral. It's a funeral prank show. That has been their number one in five days. That generated twenty two point two million viewers. Wait, a this funeral is- prank show? Yeah, they, I guess the premise of this is I looked. I looked a little bit into these. Is spouses come in, or I guess it's. Somehow they bring in family or a spouse, something along those lines where they have to identify the body or something like that, and then they pop up. What the <laughs> fuck? It <laughs> seems pretty morbid itself. But it generated uh, 22.2 million views within its first five days. What this, is wrong with you people? This was a two-minute show. As you go through these top shows here, two, four, six, ten, probably like the top, the top 20 are all within that like two and a half minute and under mark. So like you were saying, it is quick viewing and we are conditioned through social media as we browse, especially through Facebook with our feed, with our timeline, you continually just, you know, you keep scrolling. Right. So these quick, these quick hits, they hold your attention. So what WWE was trying to do is actually ahead of the curve. It's pretty, pretty aggressive for, you know, where they want to go. Overall, what Facebook wants to go with Facebook Watch, and that's develop, you know, longer programming. Go so long start, form programming. Start, yeah, go go your long form. Well, it, it seems to me when when you kind of propose this to me, are you familiar with an app called WeChat? I am not, sir. WeChat is um, kind of like Facebook in China. Okay. Okay. But inside of this app, you have also your Netflix. You also have your Uber. You also have all of your online banking. You have all of the like food delivery systems. So it is essentially, it is an entire one-stop shop. Exactly. So you never have any reason to leave WeChat. And that's what Facebook is trying to become in the United States. It sounds like it almost sounds like they're they're probably following almost exact blueprint there. Yep, check that out sometime. WeChat, all like WeChat. one word: W E C H A T. China's all in one app. I heard about this 
oh, hell, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago. Really, really cool stuff. Really, really frightening stuff, too. Okay, so with, with WWE jumping in with this long form, they, I think they ran about 20 minutes, maybe just a little bit over there. They have entered into the top 20 within a five-day stretch, uh, and, that's, and that is of all the most successful shows that, or videos that have been uh, produced and put out through Facebook Watch since, since its launch. Uh, they, that right now, just moments before our recording here, they stand at 1.6 million viewers with 11,000 shares. I think they have to be ecstatic about that, uh, especially since they're running in, in a longer format than what the majority of these other top shows are performing at. Huh. That's I, fascinating stuff. I think I, – I, really, I wonder how many they're going to – well, here's, here's what is kind of worrisome on the other side. You know, within 24 hours, they were at 1.2 million. So they really haven't moved the needle that much in the last four days. Hmm. Of course, uh, there also hasn't been any WWE programming promoting it in the last four days. Well, and I, you know, another mistake there, too. Within five hours of it going up on Facebook, I didn't realize this. They actually put this on the network. Oh, why would they do that? I, I'm not entirely sure. Oh, well, I this possibly it possibly could be i don't know if this through facebook watch how many markets this was available in oh so maybe it maybe if that that very well could it. be i don't know if i would have done it within five hours right you know maybe i would have waited a, a longer bit of a period there we we're go, going back to the very beginning you know we were talking about how you know how much money that facebook can actually generate off of this thing uh, where, where they hope to go with it. And what I think is really appealing about it, especially you know, to individuals like, like you, myself, all of us within the Hacker Hobby Media Group and anyone out there you know, that's producing content, video content, you know, especially for YouTube, where maybe, you know, hey, it's well documented, YouTube went out and put in some pretty strict re, you know, regulations you know, against even us like in the wrestling industry, where they, don't, they really don't deem our content all that important. And they took away those monetary, you know, capabilities. Well, those are going to be available here, even to the smallest of users going forward through Facebook. They're, they want to capture that audience. And there was a lot more than just pro wrestling out there that that has been affected by the changes over at YouTube. But in terms of WWE, right now through their rev through the the revenue and ad split with Facebook in WWE's favor, it's a 55-45 split. Uh, I found a interview with, uh, Michelle Wilson. Um, I think you may have actually sent it to me, uh, about this. Um, I didn't realize, uh, she says in this article last year, WWE purchased another office space at its Stanford, Connecticut headquarters and produced 1500 hours of original programming, including 600 hours of short form digital video. I almost wonder if they're not trying to jump on this Facebook watch thing before people like us can, so they don't have to worry about the YouTube thing all over again. Oh, I completely agree with you there. You know, they, they probably want to be in on the ground. They have a lot more control of what's actually going on out there. I know individuals, you know, like us here at the Hacker Hami media group, 
you know, we're creating original content. I mean, sure, we are talking about their product, but we're not blatantly coming in and, and ripping off their clips. Right. You know, we're not using their interviews or, you know, other professional wrestling personalities, uh, you know, their takes. You know, we're not going out and, you know, just downloading the Russo show and cutting it up and putting it out there for our own monetary value. You know, that's that's his that's his property. Right. That's his intellectual property. He should be the one that profits off that. You know, we're creating original content. Now, if we can continue to develop, you know, some shows on our own, but we play off the professional wrestling industry or, you know, the conspiracy angle or whichever directions that we choose to go in, you know, that option will be there, you know, for us to to also jump in. But, you know, back again, credit to WWE. They've been, a, once again, they're ahead. They're ahead of the curve. You know, they do show one thing as a company. They're, they're not afraid to get out there and try new things and and maybe, you know, set the tone for you know what's coming in the future. Uh, I also thought this was interesting. As part of WWE's video expansion plans, the company's Los Angeles-based WWE Studios unit, which previously focused on theatrical and home entertainment releases, I assume that that would be like the Miz's movie, is now actively developing and pitching show ideas to TV and digital buyers, which makes me think of the Miz and Maurice show on USA. Uh, WWE has some experience on this front with shows like Total Divas on E! and the Ric Flair documentary on ESPN's 30 for 30. This is the, the quote that I thought was fascinating from George Barrios. Up until now, an opportunity such as Divas or the Ric Flair documentary would come along and we'd flip it. We are now ready to go from opportunistic to aggressive. This is now a strategic imperative, whether it's TV, Netflix, Amazon, or even YouTube Red or Facebook Watch. I'm pretty sure that's where this is going. There, this is Vince Russo's wet dream come true. He's he, he could finally do a wrestling show with no wrestling on it. Exactly, and I think it's I think it's a long time, you know, a long time coming for them. You know, this is the direction they've always wanted to kind of move into. And you talk about them taking all, you know, really hitting the path, you know, instead of sitting back and just waiting for the game to come in, they want to be game changers. They want to lead the pack. I'm wondering how far, you know, I'm always wondering, because they have one of the best production units in the entire world. You know, some of those packages they put together, it's simply incredible. You know, why, why weren't they using that more in other areas of entertainment? I, so we'd have to assume they're going to start doing that, correct? I would assume. I would assume. Uh, let, let's let's pause right here. Um, I think we've got a little bit of a glitch in our connection. You're sounding kind of robotic. Uh, so so let's hang up. We'll reconnect and uh, we'll continue from there.
Uh, well, I, I think this story is absolutely related. Um, and, and that's the, uh, the business insider article that you sent me, um, from, uh, chief marketing officer, Michelle Wilson and her talk with business insider, uh, talking about wrestling and, uh, their platform and how companies like ESPN want to go that way. I'm not sure that anybody would want to pattern itself off of the WWE business model right now. Don't get me wrong. The WWE business model is working, but how would that apply to any other form of entertainment? Well, isn't, I mean, there's possibilities, you know, to expand their horizons. You know, they, they are very aggressive. They're ahead of the curve where we see how, how consumers are, are out there looking for and taking in their entertainment and their information. And they're out there trying to be ahead of the curve. You know, I, it's so – and it's just not us fans. It's everyone is so quick to just associate WWE with professional wrestling. I mean, yes, that's easy to do. It's, it's their main draw. It's been who they are. But inside the company, you know, let's face it, you know, they've worked really hard to get away from it. But I, I guess my, my issue is like a lot of this article that you sent me is them talking about a company like ESPN switching to a platform similar to like a WWE network, which I, I understand in theory, but then you're back to the original content idea. ESPN is just regurgitating content. Like why wouldn't the NFL just go direct? Why wouldn't major league baseball just go direct and do something like what WWE is doing. I don't understand how a TV company that's regurgitating material that's not original content is going to make this work for them. Well, I think in original content, I mean, don't you include everything that they are producing I, within within that content? Yes, they're regurgitating, you know, other other outside information, but they're presenting it in in different original form, you know, presentations. I, I, I did find this quote fascinating. We now have 10 million data files on consumers. You know, they have 1.5 million subscribers, but they have 10 million data files. I mean, that's, that, that's big brother tracking information kind of stuff right there. I said, they're, they're doing their homework. We don't, we don't really, uh, we really don't know how that exactly breaks down. Does that break down to everyone in a household with a subscription? You know, there's a lot of ways that we could twist and bend. I assume it, that means that they have 10 million email addresses. You know, people people that uh, sign up with a phony email address every month. Not that I know anybody that would do that. Taking advantage of the 30-day trials. But they also can track who buys what merchandise, what the demographic is. We know who buys the t-shirts, who logs in to watch what shows, how long they watch the network. What are they searching for? Who are they searching for? What matches are they watching? What matches are they skipping? Well, you know, they have, I, I couldn't even begin to even fathom the figure that they have out there, you know, invested in their digital research. Now, how much they have driving behind the scenes with, with their SEO uh, outlook programs, you know, and the analytics you know, have to have analytics. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. You know, now, you know, you're looking at something as simple, you know, over at one of our sponsor sites, our good friends over at the you know, 
congratulations to them. They just became, you know, licensed as a digital marketer for WWE Shop. So now everything that goes on through the realization.com, they're actually going, their analytic program is going to be able to sit there and look, you know, what's going on there? What are their hot stories? What are people shopping for? What else is moving? I mean, when you start diving into this, even, you know, even for us that, that are in on this side of the business, I mean, you get into some of this and it's still quite mind blowing when you really start diving, how deep this can go into what, you know, how, how much they can find out about you. You know, but I almost wonder how much of it is. It's kind of like baseball. I mean, I, I know that you were following the Indians this year on their run, but are you actually like a big baseball fan? I, I would say, I would say no, I, I'm probably, you know, I'm, I'm one of those casuals, you know, if I'm out, there's a big game on, maybe I'll pay attention. Uh, maybe I look at the standings once a week, but no baseball, no, baseball used to be one of those games. When you, when you look back at like, you know, those sixties Yankees teams where the manager would decide, Nope, I'm not going to throw this guy today because the wind's blowing a little bit too fast from this direction. And it was, it, it was a game that was built on gut. And just going with it here. I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years ago. You ever see the movie Moneyball? Oh yeah. That's when the analytics started coming into baseball. And now everything is about analytics when it comes to baseball. Oh, we can't throw this pitcher because today, you know, he, he, he doesn't throw well on Wednesdays between 3 and 3.30 in the afternoon when the temperature is between 72 and 83 degrees and the wind is blowing from the south. So we can't throw him today. Like, they've overanalyzed it so much that it's taken all of the enjoyment out of it for the fans. And I almost feel like that's kind of where WWE is at right now with all all of the pinch number analytics and 26 writers and trying to cater to all the audiences, sports entertainment, they've completely lost what it is that they're doing. And that's why we've had such a lackluster build to the Royal Rumble. I I, I wouldn't go as deep as that. You know, it it actually, those kind of numbers and those things, maybe it's just me. It's, you know, it's, it's what kind of drives me towards things. It keeps me a little bit more interested. It, I mean, just not in wrestling, just in business and life in general. You know, I love breaking down, you know, items like that and, and looking at from those perspectives. I do get where you're coming from. You know, they've lost some of that just traditional value and feel that goes along with it. I wouldn't place the blame on that. I, I think if, it, if that's used properly and incorporated with, yeah, what, what your traditional con- you know, content should be about, then it works. I think now they just focus in, you know, with them becoming the publicly traded company and and they're so far behind the curve with the rest of society that they're just trying to make up ground and they kind of overkill it when and they focus on certain directions. I'm the numbers guy and I, I love my numbers and I love my analytics, but you know what? There is absolutely no number and there is no analytic that said they're going to cheer Daniel Bryan. You know, that's just one of those things that when it happens, you got to go with it. Sometimes a guy who can't hit a lefty just gets hot. You know, you got to just even if go no, with I, I, I would go with you, man, because tradition will tell you. You can look at other sports there and you can see where society is evolving 
Daniel Bryan, you you actually could have seen a guy like him that you should have seen this coming. And I know sometimes they try to argue back that it was part of their plan. It was that slow burn from that bullshit. But in today's age, and you know, I complain about this all the time, that the reason that some you know that some of these guys are so over and so popular is because we're no longer in awe of these larger than life superstars. It's because a lot of you want that relatable being. And Daniel Bryan falls right into that. And the more, you know, he, well, he's that little scrawny guy. He goes out and works. He has the passion. He loves professional wrestling. He's just as easily, you go to a show and, you know, seven out of 10 times, or maybe not even that many, but, you know, you're going to see a guy that looks like Daniel Bryan who loves wrestling that much. He just didn't take that career path. He didn't put the devotion towards it. But when he's out there in the ring or on screen, you know, people relate to that. They want to be him. They not that they want to be him. They think they can be him. And everyone in life, if you're struggling to get, especially if you're young, you think you're going to change the world. And you know, the man, you're up against the man. Those stories are so easy to tell. Numbers and analytics say Roman Reigns is the guy. <laughs> Crowd response says, "Fuck you." The great debate that even Mother Nature could not prevent is Goldberg a headliner. Rick, I, I have a feeling that you may have a, a little different opinion on this one than I do. Well, I guess you you kind of you kind of went off on this uh, Monday in the locker room. Uh, I, you know, I'm really starting to think. I knew this was on our run. Uh, we kind of me and you started up on this in the Hami Media. Disc- uh, discussion group we kind of let it lie there we were going to save it for on air now you are the producer of this show you know i'm starting to think maybe you are responsible for all of this internet connection problems that we had this past week oh hey now hey wait 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 are you saying that i ribbed you out and i ribbed hameen out just so I could go off that Goldberg is not a headliner for the WWE Hall of Fame. Is that what you are suggesting right now? Hey, you know, we opened up the show with our little conspiracy. We're on the same network with some of the finest conspiracy programs you're going to find anywhere on the Internet. Man, I'm just throwing it out there. You know, I did think it was funny that as soon as I dropped the name Hameen, your Internet connection started breaking up just a little bit. The boss is listening, man. There's there's something going on here. The boss is listening. So so why don't you remind us of what your problem is with him headlining this class? I I think that Goldberg is absolutely a WWE Hall of Famer. I have absolutely no issue with that. I just don't think that Goldberg is the main event. I don't think that he is the headliner that everybody seems to make him out to be here. I just, I, I don't see the big draw in Goldberg for the WWE <laughs> hall of fame. I don't see a guy that is synonymous with WCW as a WWE hall of fame headliner. I just, yeah, we're, we are, we're going back to arguably the hottest period in professional wrestling, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 40,000 in the Georgia Dome. I know. 40,000 in the Georgia Dome. Yep. And we're going back to the hottest period in professional wrestling. Yep. 
Absolutely. This guy was right up there in the top four names of that time. And they went with him and they ran with him. And three years later, the company was out of business. That, that, no, no, no. Out of all the people you can blame and point fingers at here, you know, that's just something that happened there. That has nothing to do with it. But we'll look at his time from here. And I know you brought up that maybe he didn't, you know, his career wasn't that long. But it's fine. It's about what you do in the time you are given here. You know, like you said, you know, it was it was on a Monday night. This wasn't a major event. This wasn't a pay-per-view. It was on a Monday night in front of an audience of 40,000. You know, he goes out on that night and first he beats Scott Hall. Then later on, he goes out and beats Hollywood Hogan to capture his first WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. You know, at this, and also at this time, you know, when he wins that, at the end of the night there, he's a dual champ because he also had the United States Championship. Great moment. Amazing moment there. Uh, it, when he actually, his streak comes to an end at 174 wins after, you know, after he gets royally screwed by, by Nash and Hall. Uh-huh. I yeah. mean, both, both gave up reality. Uh, with one reign, Goldberg is sixth on the WCW World Heavyweight Championship most days held. He's number six with only one reign. He has the fourth longest single reign behind only two Hogan reigns and a run by Vader. Dude, he was never beaten cleanly in WCW in three and a half years. He goes to All Japan Pro Wrestling. He's there for a year. He goes undefeated. Don't care about that. And he was never beaten. Then he goes to WWE for a year and a half. He's unbeaten. We're, we're gonna, and he, he was been pinned there. But the only person that's ever beaten him clean, there's two individuals, Brock Lesnar and Chad Fortune. Yeah, let's, let's start with the streak. <clears throat> let's start with the bullshit streak. All right. But we're, we're working in a, in a professional wrestling narrative. I understand that. I understand that. Here's what I'm saying. The narrative is twisted. All right. Number one, the 174 and 0 is bullshit because Chad Fortune beat him before the goddamn streak even got started. Uh, well, you still can have a streak. Right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And he actually was wrestling as Bill Gold. Okay. Now, let's talk about this 174 and 0. All right, because I'm pretty sure that narrative has had holes punched through it left and right. God knows how many times, because there ain't no way that motherfucker was 174 and 0. There just ain't no way. That's fine. All right, but he still wasn't losing. According to Nick Schwartz of Fox Sports, no one really knows what Goldberg's actual record was. But it's generally accepted that 173 and 0 is an inflated number. One week he would be 42 and 0, and seven days later he'd be 58 and 0. And they would move it back at times too. But we're working within the professional wrestling. All right, to throw the number out there, he still went three and a half years without getting beat clean. Yep. Yep. Three and a half years in WCW. And in his entire career. He's only been beaten by two men clean. I understand that. One was a dark match before this really took off. So really, 
as Goldberg, the, the man that we know, the man we're talking about now is the Hall of Fame. He's only been beaten by Brock Lesnar. The guy is a triple crown champion. The guy transcended the sport. You know, he was in the top four. As I said, you had Hollywood Hogan, you had Stone Cold, you had The Rock, you had Goldberg. He transcended the sport. He, the merchandise that he sold, the tickets that he moved, the guy was a larger-than-life figure. I just think he's incredibly overrated, especially in a WWE context. Yeah, My greatest about- Bill Goldberg memory in the WWE is going to be him getting booed out of the garden. See, now you're going back to the WWE thing here. WWE has is, is evolved past where it was just under their banner. You know, they purchased everything else. This is more of a wrestling, professional wrestling Hall of Fame. I just don't think he's a headliner, those that, man. Those that have contributed. I just don't think he's a headliner. Um, I, I did learn one thing about Bill Goldberg in my research for this. Do you know what ended his NFL football career? I think I have it here in my notes, but go ahead. He, quote, tore his lower abdomen off his pelvis. That doesn't sound like it. Did, <laughs> it did Goldberg tear his dick? Oh, man. The lower abdomen and the pelvis? Like, did Goldberg, like, get his dick ripped off? Maybe that's why he's so, like, high strung. No wonder he's pissed off, man. Holy cow. Well, I, you know, I want to get to you then. All right, the I who, thought it was a shoulder injury. You know, he comes back. He's, he's still, hey, even when he was hot, you know, when he was at the peak. He was, he was some of those kids there. I mean, if you were in your teens, you're still in your, your, your 20s. You're still relatable. you still got a giant fan base that buys into him from the kid market that they're preaching to today to the people that remembered it and loved it. The guy is the great headliner for this year. Who, would you, who, would, who headlines then? Well, that, that was actually going to be my next question to you. I don't think Goldberg is a headliner. But given the other circumstances, I'm not sure that there's a better headliner out there. Yes, I heard you know you were, you mentioned on Monday that you got Goldberg headlining while you have somebody like Davy Boy Smith that still is yet to get in. Yeah, I I, I understand. Davy Boy is not a headliner either. Right. I was going to say, were well, you going to wheel a corpse out there? Which I understand, but Davy Boy deserves to be in that Hall of Fame before I, Bill I, Goldberg does. That that was my fucking point. I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for this. You know, Davey had a great long career. There's a lot of great memories. Uh, his biggest moment was over at SummerSlam at Wembley. If you're going to try to tell me Davey Boy Smith one. is not a Hall of Famer, no, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm not. I just think the the impact that Bill Goldberg had in a short time, in the grand scheme of things, is much greater from an outside, from a fan perspective, from the consumer perspective, than what Davey Boy did, has done. Uh, who else would you put into the Hall of Fame, assuming that Goldberg is your I, I, headliner? I'll answer that real, real quick for you in a minute. I do want to go back and say I know Davey Boy gave more to the business from the inside standpoint. My statement there that Goldberg provided more, that's from the fan perspective. I agree with that. He, he pulled more people in. I just want to make sure it's clear. I'm not saying that Goldberg was better for professional wrestling. Goldberg was a bigger draw than Davey, but Davey was definitely more influential right. and important to the wrestling business. Right. Than I, I just want to clear that up so I don't set some freaking lunatic off with 
that doesn't didn't clear me didn't hear me out there. Uh, I tell you what, I just heard. I was listening to the Friday edition of the locker room. I wasn't really aware of this that they're considering the Hart Foundation putting putting in the group. I guess. I guess. Um, you know what? The only thing that kind of turns me off there, you're not going back to a Davy boy. I, I think the guys that deserve to go in as individuals should get that honor. Right. That's before being lumped in as a group with someone else. Right. That to me, that is like, you know, you, you put in the horseman, but you don't induct Arn Anderson. Right. You know, and, and I, I think that Davey deserves that honor. I think Owen deserves that honor. Both of those two. I mean, I think they both have to have their own moment before you bring this entire group in. Uh, Owen is the top of my list. I think Owen Hart absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame, has belonged in the Hall of Fame for years. I understand there's some issues there with the widow of and whatnot, and they may very well want to put Owen in and they just can't. It just could be a block, you know, what, what we've got going on there. Right. Uh, other than that, you got any other? Um, I have a full on list here, here. Here is my list Perfect. of people that I would like to see go into the WWE hall of fame this year with Goldberg as the headliner. Vader, I think needs to go into the hall of fame this year because by next year at this time, he may not be with us. Davy boy Smith needs to go in. Owen Hart, China, Christian, the Dudley Boys, Bam Bam Bigelow, William Regal, Andy Kaufman, Ivan Koloff, and Mr. Bill After. That's my list. I can see that. Uh, the only one maybe I would even question is China. I don't think there's any like big rush to get her in at this point. I just think China belongs in the Hall of Fame. I thought China belonged in the Hall of Fame well before Beth Phoenix. I mean, that's yeah, the I, thing, man, is when I when, when you look at who is already in the Hall of Fame and then who's not in the Hall of Fame, it's just like these well, people need to go in and they need to go in now. Well, we do have to look at it, too. You know, this isn't the traditional Hall of Fame. You know, this is a walk of fame. Yeah, basically. You know, can you is this is just giving you your star on WWE Avenue. Okay, but we, you know, we talk about Trish Stratus and we talk about Lita and we talk about all these women that were incredibly influential. Wasn't China the first one? In her own way, yes. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think she's like the first woman to change the game or anything like that. But in her way, where you really looked at where you, you looked, looked at, at them as an in ring competitor versus just a valet. You know, a part of me, and she she really did change the mindset in some ways, and she could, and she would bring it in the ring. You know, she she really worked hard to evolve her game. I, I just don't know if some, you know, it was of some of the appeal was that it was an oddity. That could I, be. I, 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 I think that really, I think that's absolutely part of it. I mean, China was definitely not the most attractive woman that I've ever seen in the WWE. You know, yeah, but you know, but she was able to boast that she had one of the highest selling for anyone from the WWE, one of the highest selling. She was Playboy over. Issues. She was so, over. But it was almost one of those things, you know, where you watched her porno just to see if it did look like she had a dick. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, you, I, I thought that. And then, you, and then you immediately went and took like a, like a, like a 20 minute to maybe a 40 minute shower and scrubbed extra hard because you just felt wrong for what you'd done. See, I thought, I thought she looked a lot less manly towards the end of her career than she did towards the beginning of her career. I mean, at, at least by the time she did that, she had tits. Well, your cosmetics will do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the other ones that are on this list because uh, there's a couple that I think absolutely should go in this year. Um, the Dudley Boys, don't you think that they go in this year, uh, especially with them being advertised for Raw 25? I almost feel like that's a done deal. I, I think that's perfect timing. Uh, I was a little surprised to see that the Dudleys were going to be at Raw 25. Did that surprise you at all? Just just given Bubba's kind of stance with the company here as of late? I think, you know, probably, you know, he's been outside doing some other things. But, you know, he's so old school. He knows that, hey, where there's money to be made. It's good business. It. You know, he's got all the way around. He's got his brother there doing him a favor. Because Devon works for SmackDown backstage as a producer, I believe it is. Yeah. And so and either whichever the shows he works as a producer with them, you know, so he's going to come back and help, help Devon out. Hey, and, and like you said, this might be the, Hey man, when you come in for this thing, we're going to finalize this deal to that. We're going to the hall of fame. And I'll tell you, you want a nice, you want to get the crowd kind of hyped up in Philly for, you know, what we've been saying looks like a pretty lackluster rumble build. Hey, make the announcement there to that live crowd in Philly that they're going in. The only other hesitation that I have with the Dudleys is I may hold off for a couple of years because I would love to see them induct Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian as a tag team all together, all six of them, because of that TLC. And I think that's headline worthy when you have the six of them together because they're running out of headliners and they're running out of them fast. Edge is still one of them. Uh, Andy Kaufman. How is Andy Kaufman not in the freaking WWE hall of fame at this point? Yeah. Kind of, kind of mind boggling there. You know, they're, they're actually, you know, everyone complains about the celebrity wing. I don't have a problem with it. I realize what it is, but when you really look at, and I'm not going to complain about anyone that's in there, but going back to some of those people that have been selected because, you know, they can work the deal out with them and all that. There's some great names out there that really, that really contributed to the business and the world of professional wrestling that, that are still on the outside looking in. Every once in a while, I still go back and watch that uh, from the Letterman show when it was Andy Kaufman and the King on there. Man, that is just some of the best TV that you'll ever see in your life. And Letterman had no idea what the hell was going on. He was terrified. Heard Letterman talk about that moment. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Were you a big Bam Bam fan? I, I love Bam Bam, man. He was one of those guys that, you know, as a kid, I was just in awe, man. He, to me, especially as a young fan, he was one of those things that a professional wrestler could be, man. He had the outrageous look. He was a larger-than-life character. And the guy could fly around in the ring, man. Yeah, Bam Bam was like the first big guy that you would see doing just crazy shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he'd leave his he, hey, the flying headbutt, man, you know, the tattoos. 
Uh, he was just, he was radical looking. Man. Yeah. The was, tattoos on the top of the head. It was just like, even as a kid, I was just like, that dude is a badass. Loved me some Pam Pam Bigelow. Loved it. And, and especially as I get older, I have even more appreciation for what he actually did in the ring. Even more so than as a kid, just looking at this character, like, oh my God, look at this guy. Although the singlet, to go back and watch it now, you know, it's like, you know, a singlet from his ankles all the way up to his head is kind of a little bit weird. I always dug it, man. I always thought he had a cool look. Uh, we, we have a couple other things that we wanted to talk about here. Uh, let, let's talk about Impact, and then we'll jump into the hype for Raw 25. Uh, we had two Impact notes here that we wanted to talk about. EC3, evidently, per Dave Meltzer, heading back to the WWE. This one kind of fascinates me a little bit, because where does EC3 fit in to the WWE? I think he's got to go to NXT, man. I'm with you. I am really with you. I, you know, he when he left, I mean, he's done a tremendous job going out there, and you know, and upping his game, taking his next letter, really just evolving his character work, his in-ring work, really becoming the complete package. I just don't think, you know, at this time he, there's still enough name value to make a serious flash on Raw or SmackDown. And is there really even a hot spot to slide him into? Well, I, I guess the speculation is that EC3 may be in the rumble because he had an indie show that day that he has since canceled that booking for. I just don't see EC3 on the main roster. I, uh, I hit up our boy Jersey Mike and I asked him, I said, hey man, do you know who EC3 is? And he goes, no, who is that guy? I keep hearing people talk about him. Has no idea what he looks like. No idea who he is. What, so, and this, no idea what his story is. And, and this is coming from, you know, someone that is, who loves professional wrestling, but professional wrestling to him is, if it didn't happen in WWE universe, it's not happening. Right. Uh, he follows Impact incredibly casually. He knows the name, but he had no idea who he was or what his backstory was, what he looked like. Nothing. So I'm so afraid that EC3 does come out at the Rumble and he comes out and he waits for that big moment. He lifts up his head and nobody knows who he is. Well, you, you got all this speculation because he canceled a show on Sunday. I mean, does any, has anyone made mention of what he's doing on Saturday? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay, so maybe you know he's, he's on his way there. You know, maybe they want him in town for the big weekend. You know, they want to start meeting and talking with Front him. Front row. Maybe he doesn't have anything to do Saturday night. Front row appearance. So, something along those lines, you know. You get a slow introduction from him. Uh, do you expect any front row appearances? Do you expect to see like a uh, King Ricochet sitting ringside, Candice LeRae sitting ringside? We're talking War not, Machine. Not Sunday, right? No, no, we're talking Saturday. Because I mean, NXT likes to do those. You know, where they'll, they'll kind of pan the crowd and be like, oh, here's so-and-so. Like Bobby Roode did that, where he sat, you know, ringside for an event. I, it would, I take over Dallas, maybe, where they showed Bobby Roode just kind of sitting in the crowd. Yeah, we always see those kind of things. I, and I would expect that would be that would be the perfect spot for someone like EC3. That audience is going to recognize who he is. That's the audience who's going to get it. 
the audience at home. You're going to get a little pop from even the viewers watching on the network. You're going to get a pop from those that are that are there just for NXT. They're going to get him. You yep. can slide him in anywhere into any part of the card at NXT. They are going to adapt to him. He's going to get that act over there. Then you start, you know, rolling him and, and slowly introducing him to the larger scale WWE universe. We also wanted to comment on this uh, Barbed Wire Massacre 3, I guess is what it was officially called, right? Oh, look, oh, real quick on EC3, man. I'm sorry to go back on you. Oh. Uh, do you think they let him keep the EC3 gimmick? Well, I know he owns it. Uh, I hope they don't turn him back into Derek Bateman. I can tell you that. I was going to say, you know, it, it's – it seems like they have been a little more open to letting those guys come in, especially from impact. I know, you know, with, with their, with their names from impact there. And this has got a great marketability to it. The EC three has just got the ring. You know, it's kind of got that triple H feel to it. I'm hoping that they'll, that they'll run with this thing and just keep this like a continuation of that character. Well, let's stick with, let's stick with this because uh, I, I think this is something interesting worth uh, exploring a little bit. Uh, we talked about EC3 and we think he needs to go to NXT, but then we've also talked about James Storm and we think that we should just put James Storm on SmackDown. I think, I think this is the big difference. Number one, there's the age difference, obviously. Storm is significantly older than EC3. But number two, he's the cowboy James Storm. Within about three seconds of seeing James Storm, you know that's the cowboy. You know, you may not know what his name is, but you know, within about three seconds of seeing James Storm, you know what his act is. That's the cowboy. You just know because of how he carries himself. Well, I think you know there, there's. I think it's there's a lot of difference between the two, even where they come from. Storm was with TNA Impact for 15 years. He was there from the very get go. So there's a lot of fans who were with that company and since left and stopped paying attention since EC3 you know, came to light there. Yeah. Let's remember. remember impact did have 2 million viewers at one time. Right. And he was there, you know, he was one of the, you know, one of the hottest tag team acts going through one of the biggest names the company's ever had. He, he's helped grow that thing. Plus he did have a little, he has had that rub from NXT before he had that short run. And what really caps it off. Like you said, that character, even if, I mean, even, if we, just even if we didn't, even if we didn't know him within a few minutes of it, we know what to expect here. Yeah, and especially once you put a microphone in his hand and he lets out with that sorry about your damn luck, people are going to be like, oh, that's the cowboy. He's wearing a black cowboy hat and he talks like that. That's the cow. Okay, gotcha. Know that character. You know, it's just, you can just relate to it. It's ingrained in our freaking DNA as Americans. We know all about the cowboys. OVE versus LAX in the barbed wire match. The gimmick of all gimmick matches such a gimmick that we had to put it on Twitch. We couldn't even show this on pop TV. I was incredibly disappointed. I was incredibly bored about halfway through it. I was looking to see how much was left of the match. Rick, what did you think? I said, you checked it out before I did. I said, what can I expect? And you said about 10 minutes in, I was wondering how much time's left. And I realized I was only halfway there to me going in, you know, a few things really hurt this thing. I'm not even sure it was the right match choice to have it there in that arena. The camera angles and the way that they shoot there, I thought really took away from having 
a three, uh, you know, a six man, anything can happen anywhere type brawl because they had to keep going close to those weird angles to protect themselves from a, a small audience and the blackout in the arena. Right. You couldn't get those large pans. They really couldn't take it anywhere outside of the ring area. And it's already so tight there around the impact ring. You've only got, you know, a couple feet on each side to work with. You get six guys and tables and other weapons and objects going there. You don't have a whole lot of room to work with. That took away from the match. Man, the audio, I don't know if it was the audio. The crowd was not into it. The crowd was not into it at all. Or if they were, you surely could not hear them. And uh, I I, I gotta say something about the commentary, man, because I, I as much as I love Jeremy Borash, um, the commentary for this match was god awful. There was no emotion in Josh Matthews. He was terrible, and was, uh, and, and, and Borash even like when Borash gets excited, you just don't believe that he's excited because he doesn't have that kind of voice, to where he gets real excited, but I mean, I'm listening to Josh Matthews and he's like, look at the blood and the carnage and the mayhem. And I'm just like, Oh my God, dude, put a little bit of emotion into it. You know, the one thing I had there from, uh, you know, JB, man, he was trying it all, but he always, he seems like he always has the same tone, no matter what pitch he's at. Yeah. It, it, and and it, it, he's a very monotonic individual when he talks. And even when he fluctuates his emotion, he gets to about here. He, and then he brings it back down to about here. And that's all that you get. And what's now the, what's the, I always forget his name. The other, uh, Josh Matthews, Josh Matthews. He has he, just he gone fucking off. Terrible. He was adding nothing to this match. You know, just as a related little note here, it came out that, that they're moving, they're possibly moving him off commentary because they want to, they want him to help get Seidel, Seidel over. Who fucking called that? Dude, that is a, uh, Who that's a very called that. But dude, isn't that, a, isn't that a great way for the office still saying, Hey, we still got to pay this guy and keep him on television, but we got to get him the hell off commentary. Dude, I said a week before these first set of impact tapings, I wonder how long until Cyrus gets sick of Josh Matthews. It took one you, taping, you one taping. It, you called it right off the bat. And it, but back to the match, I know that they hyped it up. You know, this is too violent for pop or movement switch. Come on, that was a PR move. There was nothing violent about this match. No. There's nothing over top. You could tell, you could actually tell the in full intent when this thing was filmed, you know, weeks ago. The intent was that this will air on pop. So they made sure that it was pop approved. You have a match like this. Where the hell was the blood? There was not a dude. That was the thing, right? I when when the opening entrances happened, right, and I see OVE comes out in like all white, and I'm going, oh man, this is gonna be a killer visual because these guys are gonna start bleeding and these clothes are just gonna blood soak. And it is going to be like this crazy freaking visual. By the end of the match, I'm going, where's the freaking blood? It's a barbed wire match. Where's the freaking blood? It, it just it, it completely missed the mark for me. And then the finish of the match didn't even involve barbed wire. It's a barbed wire match. You've got a ladder and you've got tables. But the finish doesn't involve 
barbed wire in a barbed wire match. It's like that was the whole gimmick. Well, you know, there was a big spot where the blood thing really got me where uh, Jake gets caught up in it. And they end up, you know, there's a, the LAX is cutting him free and they roll him up in it. I mean, he is wrapped three times around in barbed wire. There's not a drip of blood anywhere. I mean, that would have been a great and he's visual. wearing all white. Yeah, I mean, how great would have been that visual? He's blood soaked. You move that spot later in the match. He's blood soaked. Then you lay him on the table, wrapped in barbed wire. Then do your ladder spot. You you bring in every major weapon you can for a great finish, a great visual. Man, I think it was. Hey, it was one of those things. Let's hype this thing up. Is it's going to be ultraviolet? But oh shit, we're on top television. We really can't go there. I mean. I complained about the New Day and the Usos when they did the Hell in a Cell match because I said you could have had basically the same exact match and just not done it Hell in a Cell. It could have just been a hardcore match. This could have just been a hardcore match. The barbed wire was basically irrelevant to me. It was. And I would have, I would have really liked to see if you wanted to get the, you know, the full extent of you know, the heat between these two teams, let them really go at it. I would have just done like a pre-tape match somewhere else outside of the arena where you didn't have to worry about protecting your, your camera work with the audience in an empty arena. And you didn't have to worry about the tight, you know, confounds of the, of just your ring area. I would have let these guys go at it backstage or in a parking lot or something like that. The final deletion was more violent than this was. I mean, these, these are two groups that you would expect, man. Hey, we're just going to meet up in this dark alley. And we're just going to throw down the worst spot in the entire freaking match. I think it was, I think it was Jake when he did the, uh, like basically a suicide dive, but there was no ropes. So it was basically just a spear off of the apron through the freaking tables. I thought that yeah. he landed on his head and I thought that he was dead. It had nothing to do with the barbed wire or anything. It was just how he landed. My God, I was terrified. Even on the replay in slow-mo, I was like, Oh my God. At least I could see that he did get his head tucked. Oh, my God. He came down right on the top of this freaking head like a lawn dart. Oh. All in all, I, I, I'm i writing this one up as a miss, Rick. Writing this one up as a miss. So let's talk next week. Um, the big hype. Let, let, let's talk next week. Let's let's talk a little bit about Raw 25, and then we'll get into our recording schedule for next week. Uh, let's let's first start with who is not going to be at Raw 25. Because I know Monday and Monday in the locker room, we're gonna we're gonna be breaking down everything that is gonna be this massive show Raw 25. I guess you know there's been some reports lately that that it's all hands on. They want they're putting more effort into this Raw coming up this Monday. Then they do a Raw post-WrestleMania. Uh, so that has to get your hopes up, but they've, they've got a lot to work with. We're going to dive all into that. But like you said, man, how about some big names that are not scheduled to be there or, or in question? Well, well, do you have a list there or just the names that you sent me here? Of, who, I, of who's I just not going to be there. I picked out some big names of those that really stood out to me or that are being questioned. Uh, just those. I, I don't have a complete list. Okay. Okay. Well, we the, go through like the entire history of the company. Well, no, no. I was just wondering if there was like a, a list of like big names that had not been advertised for the show. That's all. I was no, I, I just picked out a few that really stood out to me in their stories and situations. Gotcha. Well, the first one on the list here is Hulk Hogan. And I know that there is a huge clamoring for Hulkster to be back on WWE 
TV. I'm not one of those guys. I'm done. I say I, I know you take major issue with that, especially those that I know there were some over in the uh, Hacker Hameen discussion group that were actually suggesting that he come back for another run as a uh. competitor, which completely set you off. What really got me here, the, why the name popped out, is man Hogan is really out there pimping himself on social media. You know, he's been taking some pictures of himself down there in Florida. He's looking jacked. He's looking good. He he sent out some tweets that. He, you know, he would have any current superstar step up, you know, step up to him, yada, yada, yada. What I found most interesting is WWE responds with a uh, pretty much like a one-liner. We stand behind our, our stance on the, on the Hawk Hogan situation. I stand behind their stance too. Fuck you, Hogan. That's pretty much where I stand with it. Uh, the hitman Bret Hart will not be in attendance on Monday. You, you said this was due to a surgery? Yeah, he's got something going on with his hand. He's having some kind of uh, medical procedure done. And for whatever reason, you know, his excuse out was that he did not want to reschedule that. Uh, which which kind of got me here to not have him be there. But you really think about things that triggered the Attitude Era, which put Raw on top, you know, during this hottest period of professional wrestling. You go back to its very, very roots, and it, Bret Hart's got to be right there. I mean, this is really what created the evil Mr. McMahon character. Well, and let's let's bring Hogan into this a little bit, too, all right? While I agree with you about Bret, that's also why I also don't think Hogan needs to be there. Do you associate the name Hulk Hogan with Monday Night Raw? I associate it with Nitro. I associate it with SmackDown. I don't associate it with Raw. Hey, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, now that I say, like, maybe thinking about it, nothing, I can't, like, close my eyes and really picture a big Raw moment where I pop because it was Hulk Hogan. No. That he had anything to do with it. No, because he, he left very early into the inception of Monday Night Raw. And then when he no. came back, his big run that he had back with the company, it all took place on SmackDown. Well, and then I, I associate more, like you said, Nitro. He was one of those key components. He was the guy against kill, Raw. Trying, trying to kill your flagship program. So why in the fuck would we invite Hulk Hogan there? I agree with you about Bret Hart. Um, although I feel like Bret missed the heyday of Monday Night Raw because his departure was really the beginning of the heyday of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I mean, that, that triggered that there, but... But hey, it had been around for years before that, and Brett was there carrying the company at that time. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Mick Foley will not be in attendance for this show. What was the reason for that one? I, I really got a big kick out of this one. First of all, it does make sense. He said he already had a family vacation planned, but then he said, you know, he was open to the idea of maybe you know changing some things around and see if he could be there because it was a big event. But then it hit him. It, it, what sort of logic would it say that Mick Foley wants to be there on Raw to celebrate, especially with Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, when they just fired him a couple months ago? And this like blew my mind that anyone out there, they still want to stick to their guns and still try to protect this business. A little bit. Leave it to Foley to be the only guy around that still understands his character. At, at, at least, you know, I wanted to bring this up. 
to just like you did there, applaud the man. God bless Mick Foley. God bless Mick Foley. He's always got the best interest of this business at heart. He really does. Uh, another name that's not on the list. Hashtag bad week to be a Samoan continues. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, not on the list. Do you think this is one of those things that they didn't want to advertise him because they couldn't lock him in? Maybe he shows up if he can swing by? Or He's, he's the Rock. If I feel like being there, I'll be there. If I don't feel like being there, I won't. It's a long way to New York from L.A. Eh, I I don't know, man. I, I would love for The Rock to be there, of course. He's The Rock. But is it really that vital if he's not? I mean, I, I almost feel like if The Rock is there, it kind of leaves him in an awkward position because of the whole Roman Reigns thing. You know, not, not, not any of the stuff we were talking about earlier. One of the last times we saw The Rock, he was putting over Roman Reigns and the people booed The Rock because he was trying to put over Roman Reigns. I think the only thing, if he did have Rock here, unless you want to save this for later, because I know you've made mention of it, where Elias wanted this to happen at like a WrestleMania, I think you could get a huge pop and a, a real boost in your ratings if, if you were running out there and let people know you're going to have The Rock and Elias performing live together. Well, the the other name that I do not know if it is on the list or not, if The Rock is in the building, is Ronda Rousey in the building? Because you know Hunter and Stephanie are going to be in the building. So that's something to keep an eye on, too. Uh, and then we've got two other names here. Uh, one of which I think is going to be in the building. The other of which I think there is absolutely no chance in hell is going to be in the building. Uh, one of them is in Colorado and the other one, the last time we knew was in Japan. And the one that was in Japan, I expect is going to be there. And that is the one and only Chris Jericho. I absolutely expect he will be at Raw 25. I, you know, they're running him in their advertisements, but we are getting some conflicting reports that they haven't actually come to a deal. Man, Jericho I, hasn't come to a deal with Vince in years, according to Jericho. That's that's what I'm going with. You know, you just said he is the rock. This is this, He is Jericho. The guy has got himself to a level where he goes where he wants, when he wants, and does what he wants. I think this is another case of Jericho's probably fishing it out there. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I don't have a deal in place. I don't know what I got going on. This is another case of him trying to to work over work over the fans. You know, he, he had everyone hooked with the Omega thing. Then he went and just pulled the curtain back on it immediately when it was over. This guy knows what he's doing, man. He is working everyone. He can change his direction at will. I fully expect that he'll, that he'll be a part of this thing. My question is... What Chris Jericho do we see on Monday Night Raw? Do we see the Alpha come walking out? Or do you see Jericho putting somebody on the list? Or, like, what Jericho exists inside of the WWE universe at this time? I'm curious. Very curious. The other name, of course, is Vincent Russo. Um, unfortunately, uh, by his own accord, the statements made on his last show with one Mr. Hacker Hameen and one uh, BWO Stevie is going to cost him his invite to Raw 25. I don't think he's going to be able to make it. 
You know, this is a little bit of shame. I, maybe they don't want to any you know, to bring you know those true backstage personnel out into the limelight here. I don't know why they pull the they pull the curtain back on everything else. He is the most famous creative member they've ever had. He was the 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 main man during the hottest era in professional wrestling history. I don't know. And I, I think in a way fans are receptive to him, and I think you could get some some great television with him being run out there. You know, if, if he would go out there and do a spot, you know, just to get some heat on himself, you know, to put somebody over. I don't know. I, th- I think it would be just. I think it would make for tremendous television to see him out there. It's not like the TV audiences haven't seen him before. You know, he was out front of the camera in, in WCW. In WCW. And then the still, company went out of business. And then the company went out of business. Oh, all right. So now, now you're blaming Goldberg. You're blaming Russo. I'll blame, I'll blame anybody that you want to bring. I'll, I'll blame Brett too. Why not? Might as well go for the great trifecta. Yeah, he was he was right around there. Uh, that's more you know more ammo for you at Hogan. Oh yeah, Hogan, absolutely. I can blame for the death of WCW. Uh, another uh, name that will not be in attendance is Kevin Nash. Unfortunately, I heard uh, Kevin Nash, due to his knee surgery, um, can't fly at this time, so he will not be in attendance. But I did hear something about Scott Hall wrestling on Raw twenty five. That kind of alarmed me. I think the actual quote, well, he was talking about that he got a text from from corporate that said, can you bring your ring gear? Then he thought it was a rib, and that's pretty much where it was at. So maybe they just want to give the appearance. We don't know who else they've asked to bring ring gear. I just really don't imagine them running him out there for anything of significance. Could he get anyone up for the edge anymore? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. Of course, you know, he's on that DDP yoga, so it's possible. Uh, how do you want to see them handle things Monday night? I mean, do, do you expect that to be Monday night is all about the legends and celebrating 25 years of Raw? Are we going to see any advancement of any storylines Monday night? Man, you know, we've been very critical up to this point. I mean, this is, like you were saying earlier, a very, a very lackluster build to this Rumble. There's really nothing excited, excited to get excited about in the men's match, Rumble match. The women's Rumble match, essentially, hey, it's the first time ever, so get your dick hard and tune on in. Yep. On the undercard, they've come at the booking from every which direction. You really don't know who you should invest in, why you should care about any of these matches. Uh, all the, the booking has been confusing as hell. It's just throw everything against the wall, kind of see what sticks mentality. And then you've got, I mean, this is your go home week. You've got a big show on Monday that, like you said, I mean, you're bringing in all these, these past stars. You've got celebrities coming into this thing. You got to believe this is going to be more of a variety hour than progressing, moving forward. Any of, of any of your, your programs. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have just, you have Kane, Braun and Brock in the building again, correct? Right. I was actually just about to ask you what role is undertaker going to play Monday night? Then you got taker there. Is is he going to, to throw a wrench into this build here? Are they going to start on the, on the taker scene of build here? 
because we're going to have both of those those towns in the building. So much to well, there's so here, much to do between now and WrestleMania. That's well, the here, thing. Well, here's a thought that I had. They have they have sent out that there will be SmackDown live talent at Monday Night Raw. Yes. To celebrate there. Yes. Maybe somewhere since this is going since this is a going to turn into a variety show. Maybe somewhere in that program they they let us know that yes, there will be some raw talent going to SmackDown on Tuesday. And as you were saying, you've been saying this for a couple of weeks. You really use that and hammer home that as your go home for the biggest things you want to get over for your Rumble event. But it's so weird because you know you're going to have a much larger audience Monday than what you're going to have on Tuesday. Well, you know, hopefully you're smart enough to make a big announcement there. Say, hey, you know, we got all these great names here. But tomorrow night, make sure you tune in because we're going to have some big matches. We're going to have some great rumble build for you. And you real easy way because you can say, well, you know, the management, they don't get along. Well, you got the head of management there. You got Vince there that can say, hey. Stephanie Shane, I don't care about your bickering. This is what's happening. I've already, I've invited these talents to go to SmackDown. You're going to have this match on SmackDown tomorrow night. What, however direction they want to go there, whatever they see that seems of the most importance to them to start building or that final hype for. Well, let's do a little bit of hype for uh, Raw 25 right now. Rick, what are your personal top five moments? in the 25 years of Monday Night Raw. Did you check out the program? Did you, did you were able to catch it? Yeah, I, I did have a chance to uh, watch the one-hour program that aired on USA. I've looked through the list on WWE.com. They did moments 1 through 100, if you haven't had a chance to, to look through all that. Um, I, I've got mine narrowed down to my top five. I'm, I'm pretty I've, sure. I've got, I've got mine. I, I kind of have six. I'm gonna have to move something out here because after I was putting this together, I was I kind of used the top 100 that they have listed as a guide when I was going through, uh, and then something actually popped into my mind that they did not have listed to me was one of the greatest pop moments of you know my teen years watching during the Attitude Era. But we'll get to a hey, real quick on their list though. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna move into some fun conversation. I'll, I'll get one more kind of. Slapping a $5 face slap in here. And did you know in the top 50, Roman Reigns was in four categories? Oh, was in, my was, God. It was ranked four times, and he was twice in the top 10. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was kind of strange there. Uh, I am going to go with – okay, I'm going to move this one. I'm going to do an honorable mention. This is going to be my sixth one. This is the one I'm bumping for the one that – that was not listed through WWE. This was actually listed at number 22 on their countdown. Uh, for me, it's going to be my honorable mention here for my top five. It's number six. And that is Shane McMahon buys WCW away from Mr. McMahon. That was a good one. Yeah, I just remember, you know, how, where I was at as a fan then and how important it was. You know, news broke. Everyone is clamoring to get home from television at night. You can't believe this is actually happening. Well, yeah, because it was years. It was how? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? I mean, they have to address it. What are they going to do? 
what was so big about it too is is I was growing up. You know, this has got me in college here, but you know, we were so invested in this war between these two companies. You know, starting in high school through our early years of college and all that, I always had two sets of friends. I had my WWE friends and I had my WCW friends. And it was only me and another individual that would really that didn't miss any of the pay-per-views, were into both products, and knew what were going on. And the other sides, they were like, oh, I, how do you watch that garbage? That, that part, that's, that side's terrible. That they added back and forth, you know? They were, they were setting their ways on it. Uh, so that, and that was a great moment for me. Uh, my number five, which was actually number one on their list, is Stone Cold Steve Austin gives uh, the corporation a beer bath. Yeah, that uh, was good. A great moment. That was number one on ours. That's five. Number four, man, this is so, it was so cheesy, man, but I still remember how, how hard I popped for it to this day. The ministry kidnapped Stephanie. They got her <laughs> in the back of the living. And Undertaker just, he just, he, the window comes down, he just rolls. Where, Where to, to Stephanie? <laughs> that was one of the greatest, greatest moments, man, right there. My number three, he's, one, he's in my top three all-time favorites, Chris Jericho's uh, Y2J debut on WWE. That's my three. It was there four. My number, my number two, another in my top three all-time favorites. Man, I can't believe this was all the way at 49 on their, on their list, but it's number two in my heart, Brian Pillman. Pulls the gun on Stone Cold Steve Austin as Austin's invading his home. Yeah, that was such an epic angle. And boy, did they get some backlash from the network on that one. I mean, it was all hell broke loose, man. But it was so real, and it was, holy it, yeah. shit, they're, they're really pushing the limits here. Yep. Uh, then, you know, number one for me, man, the mo- it might be, you know, arguably one of the biggest moments in the company Stone Cold Steve Austin confronts Mike Tyson in the ring, and we got the shoving match, and all hell breaks loose. You know, we uh, we we did not discuss this. This was not planned in any way, shape, or form. However, number five on my all-time raw mem- memories list is Tyson and Austin. There we go, man. And I, I just I think in the grand scheme of what that meant for the company, and you know, turning the tide. And, putting the eyes on them, man, that was a hell of a moment. And the call from Jim Ross will live forever because you, you, you can just close your eyes and you can hear it right now. Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. Oh, that was so great. Yeah. You can actually go back and put that on mute and feel the emotion from everyone involved. Yep. All the way down to Vince yelling at him. You ruined it. You ruined you it, look on his face where he's trying to kick at him. Maybe the background when Austin hits the ring, the look on a young Shane McMahon's face where it's like he's about to shit his pants like, oh, man. I wonder how much Shane knew going into that, you know, or, or if he was very kept in the dark for a very real reaction. Uh, number four on my list is Rock, This Is Your Life. I think that was one of the most fantastic segments in the history of Monday Night Raw. It's still absolutely day, freaking segment. hilarious. Yes, still to this day, the highest rated segment in the history of Monday Night Raw. Number three on my list is simply, that'll put asses in seats. Mick Foley wins the WWF championship and completely turned the Monday Night War. 
That was the moment that absolutely turned the war. Number two on my list, I actually just watched it earlier today. I still, to this day, cannot watch it without getting tears in my eyes, and that is The Edge Retirement. I firmly believe if Edge was not forced to retire, the last decade of this company would look very, very different than what it does now. And number one on my list, hands down, the greatest moment in the history of Monday Night Raw was when Monday Night Raw became Monday Night Jericho. That debut still, to this day, gives me goosebumps. When Jericho lets out with that, welcome to Raw is Jericho. My God, that place loses their minds. And The Rock also puts over one of the most underrated wrestlers in the history of sports entertainment, Juventud Guerrera, in that promo, which is freaking hilarious. It always ends up getting cut from the edit, though. Do you remember that in WCW when Hoovy was doing The Rock's gimmick? Yep. I, I, I clearly remember it, dude. Like, oh, my God. My eyes and just picture it, man. It, a great, great, great Addy. You know, great work by uh, Hoovy there. The juice say... Oh my God. So funny doing the juicy elbow, the juicy eyebrow. Oh my God. And the rock lets out with that. You think you're someone cause you've been down South wrestling. Some guy named Hooventude. Freaking I, hilarious. I, go back. It, I know you've seen it over and over and over. You know, one of my favorite moments in the entire segment, usually it, it's what ends the edits and anyone out there listening to us, go take a look at it. The facials from Jericho. <laughs> the little when quiver rock, in his lip. The rock. Yeah, dude. It's like, Jesus, dude. It's your biggest moment. It looks like the rock's about ready to make you cry like a bitch, you know? <laughs> it was so good. It just the way so, like, you saw Like, this is my moment. What? What the hell is this guy doing? You know, it's just... Oh, yeah. It's so good. So good. God. So good. So let's talk a little bit about our week here. Um, I actually tried to lay this out a little bit, and... Uh, I, I think we're kind of crazy here, Rick. So here, here, here is how Rick and I's week is going to lay out. Monday, we have the Locker Room Weekly Hype Show that's going to focus on Raw 25. Thursday, Hitting the Marks. Friday, you're going to have a Hitting the Marks NXT preview. Saturday night, immediately after NXT Philadelphia, you're going to have a Hitting the Marks NXT review. Saturday, we're also going to do the Royal Rumble poolside be the booker. And then we'll be back again on Monday for the locker room Rumble recap. By my count, that's six shows in seven days. Rick, what are we doing here, man? People are well, going to hate us. Hey, we're still in, this is going to be a big week for us. Hey, you know, in addition to that, you got the other great content from the Hacker Humming Media Group. You're going to have the locker room with Big Ray, Billy Ray Valentine, Crusher Steve on Wednesday. You're going to have the pros back in there on Friday giving you their take on what's going to happen this weekend. You're going to have Ben Hameen and Mr. BWO Stevie Richards. Whew. Hey, if that's not enough, if just the audio content's not enough, you're going to have everything that's going on over in the Hacker Hameen, in the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. And we're going to have the Royal Rumble Pick'em Challenge. We're, we've got the best of the best tournament still continuing. We're going to have a ton of interactive polls and features, everything that's going on, NXT, Royal Rumble. We're going to be looking at Royal Rumble history moments. Dude, I, I think we're going to need a vacation. 
you know, a week from Tuesday. Now, about six weeks ago, if you've been listening to this show religiously, I asked Rick who was going to win the Royal Rumble. And for about a month, he kept putting me off. I'm going to need two more weeks. I'm going to need two more weeks. So now I've done the math, ladies and gentlemen. It would be very easy for me to ask Rick here a mere week before the Royal Rumble who's going to win. Let the countdown begin, everyone. We are now 79 days away from WrestleMania 34 in New Orleans, Louisiana. Rick, much like the Royal Rumble, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. What is the main event for WrestleMania 34? I'm going to need a week from Monday. (laughs) So that's going to do it for Rick and I this week. We'll be back in your ear holes Monday over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Be sure that you visit our friends Ryan and Michael over at thegorillaposition.com for your daily pro wrestling needs as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how does the DEA find you? Whew, I think I got all my plugs in there except you know they can... Hit me up on Twitter at the Real RBV. You can also get the uh, Hacker Hami Media Group over at Hami Media Group on Twitter. Again, we're going to have a ton of great content going on in, fa- in our Facebook discussion group, the Hami Media Discussion Group, and we're going to have our Pick'em Challenge, some interactive polls, great features, so much going on starting here in the next week. You're not going to want to miss out on it. It's great personalities, great minds. Come join the group, meet some new friends. It's a tremendous time. That's going to do it for Rick and I this week. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. You bad guy!
who's living a lie. I fucked your bitch and I lied. She was at home with me last night. I'll be your bad guy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>